Welcome to the Trad Dads Podcast, where we examine cultural and political issues through the lens of traditional thought. All right, thanks for joining us. This is Levi Russell, and I have today, uh, he calls himself the other Levi, but it's uh, Levi, Breeder, Levi Breederland, and uh, among other things, including our first names, we also uh, share the trait of being uh, fathers of three children, although I think my oldest is older than his oldest child. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> but what we wanted to talk about today was just this idea of uh, how do you treat technology and screen time and all that sort of thing uh, with your kids. And so, you know, is it laptops or um, iPads or uh, TV, um, all that kind of stuff? Um, how do you deal with that um, in your household and, and with young kids and with older kids and teenagers? Um, and how, how does that all work? And what, 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 do, what do we think we should do? Um, what kind of principles should we use to, to guide our, our parenting in, in those ways? And, and I think what, what, I'm, what, what always makes me uh, just, I guess, confused about this stuff or what, what really kind of animates my thought on it is the idea that, you know, I want my kids to get something out of technology if there's something beneficial there. So if it's good for them to learn how to use things, like I want them to learn how to type, you know, cause they need to learn how to type. Um, I want them to, you know, learn, learn math and English and all these other things, you know, readily and easily. And, you know, it's this idea of gamification. If you can make it fun, then, you know, then maybe they're a little more apt to learn it or whatever. Maybe that's not the best way to do it, but um, that's certainly a popular way of doing it. So uh, I guess, Levi, what do you think? Uh, how do you want to get us started? Um, uh, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's an interesting topic to talk about because like, we're in this time where everything is done on the computer. Like, so many people have jobs where they're at a computer all day. Even if it's not you know, a very technical job, they still need to be able to use a computer and you know, have good typing skills. That's always a good example. So it's, it's something like you can't, you can't just say, you know, my kids aren't ever going to touch a computer or ever going to look at a screen because that's just unrealistic. And at some point you're, you know, you're hampering their potential future job and future income. So you don't want to, you don't want to go, you know, cold Turkey. Um, but yeah, how do you, how do you find a, a happy medium and let them learn, but not, not to, not get glued to the TV and yeah, where, where do you find that, that little, that little perfect, perfect uh, amount of technology that's not, you know, too much. Well, yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the things that I always try to avoid is the idea that like this idea of balance or, you know, Oh, you need to find the happy middle. You know, I'm like, you know, forget the middle. Like I don't care about the middle. I want to know what the appropriate amount is, you know? And so yeah. it's, it, maybe it's balancing. Okay. Maybe that's a way to put it, but um, you know, there's definitely reasons why uh, more or less of certain things are good at different times. And so maybe, uh, you know, maybe one way to frame this is to think about like younger kids first. So, yeah. I mean, how, how young are kids starting to use this stuff? Uh, <laughs> different devices. What, what do you think? What about your kids? Well, if I look at my two year old and see how well she can get around my wife's phone specifically because her phone has a couple kids games on it for those, those rare moments that need a little distraction. Like when you're doing their hair, um, 
it's amazing how quickly she has figured things out. And I guess it's partially because, you know, the phone is a touchscreen and it has like everything is so intuitive now that a kid knows that, like, Hey, if I touch this, it does something. And so it's, it's pretty easy to, to figure out, but it's kind of scary at the same time. Like it's so easy to use things now, like before when, you know, if you think back to when the only form of computers was like a, a command prompt where you like, you didn't even have a mouse, a kid could sit down and bash the keys for a bit, but it's not as exciting as a phone that they can walk around with and, and punch buttons. Yeah. So, and I guess that, that gets down to devices too. And so the devices are really small. They're really easy to yeah. hold on to. It's not that they have to climb up onto a desk and, um, you know, use this, what looks to them like a giant keyboard or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You can probably hear my youngest son in the background here. He's being kind of noisy, but, um, but so he, he's only uh, six months old, so he's not using any real technology, I guess. But I do think about some of the, so, you know, the phone, I think, is, is, a, is an example of something that's more active, where the kid, you know, at least maybe if the game is there to, you know, maybe you occupy them while you're in a waiting room or, you know, maybe there's some use like that. And that's fine. But I, um, you know, again, I think it comes down to figuring out, you know, the appropriate amount of use or something. But the other thing I was thinking of is what about stuff that's more passive like TV where it's, there's not a two way, uh, there's not a two way thing there. It's just one direction. Like you're just sitting there watching something. You're not really engaging it. Yeah. TV is a tricky one. Like we, we've got the TV in the living room and it's so easy to just turn it on and press play on something or yeah, turn it on, open up Netflix. And you know, that can, that can, uh, you know, satiate the kids for hours at a time, but it's like, well, that's obviously not the way to do things. It's just, it's so easy. And you can understand why you see those statistics about the average kid having hours and hours of, of screen time in the week. And it's, it's kind of scary, but then at the same time, it's like, it's such an easy way to, to distract them. And you need to, you need to have some control over that. And so like prevent yourself from you know, being, being lazy at the same time. Yeah. So I think that, that, that actually gets down to, I think what the, one of the major problems is, is because we, we're being lazy and we're just, we're just saying, Oh, that's so nice. We can just let them, you know, sit on, sit and watch a movie or watch a bunch of movies or whatever. And yeah, it's so easy to be lazy now. Yeah. Well, so my, my four-year-old, I don't think she, we have a projector in our basement. That's our main TV well, that's actually our only TV besides the one in our bedroom. So um, my two older kids each have a tablet that they pretty much know how to use. The older my son who's older knows a lot more and he can turn the projector on and, you know, t turn a movie on or turn on Amazon prime or whatever. And he can do all that stuff. Um, so I mean, he's fairly independent. So we have to watch him a lot more because he can, <laughs> he can jump in there whenever he wants. And I, th I think my wife is a lot better than I am about, you know, limiting their screen time and stuff like that. But it, it definitely is. Uh, um, it, it seems to me like with, with younger kids, the main thing you have to figure out how to do is you have to, you have to know that you have to spend your time replacing that, um, you know, that, that time and that usage of that screen, you know, help them do that. Yeah. You know, I think I, I can think of a lot of, 
you know, ways, ways you can do that. I mean, it's, it's just so complicated because, you know, back when I was a kid in the, you know, early nineties, late eighties, early nineties, we lived out in the middle of nowhere and there wasn't any of this stuff when I was, you know, five, six, seven years old. So we just ran around, you know, and just played outside. And if it was, you know, bad weather outside, we would just play with toys inside. And there wasn't, there wasn't a screen. There was just, you know, physical stuff that we played with. But these days, you know, it's just a fact of life. The screen stuff's there. And, you know, you can't just let your kid, you know, run down the block to the park because, you know, some crazy idiot will, you know, call the police on you for, you know, <laughs> for being a bad parent. <laughs> for letting your kid be alone for more than two hours at a time, you know? And so it's, it's one of these things where I think we have to just realize that we have to sacrifice our own, um, you know, what would be sort of our personal time to just make sure we're engaging with our kids, you know, put down the work, put down, you know, whatever, you know, entertainment you're doing and include your kids in that. And then that naturally keeps them away from the screen or it, it allows you to show them something that is going to enrich them. You know, there's plenty of wonderful movies and stuff like that, that, that could be good things for them to help them learn things. Um, but so what, what are the, some of the things you do to kind of occupy your kids time? Well, when it comes to like the, the stuff that actually is still, you know, on the TV, um, we've tried to limit what they do have access to. So we don't have, well, we don't have Netflix for one. Um, and getting rid of getting rid of that really benefited us um but yeah so we've got like we tried to have a selection of movies that can be accessed through the tv that are somewhat beneficial and so they're they're all older movies like um our girls really love uh, mary poppins these days so we've been watching that somewhat regularly so we all know the songs now which is pretty entertaining um but we've also been trying to like focus on having toys that are more uh, more flexible in how you can play with them. So just kind of, I think the term they use is open-ended where the, the kids are encouraged to imagine more and come up with their own ways to play with things. Um, so of course, like Lego and Duplo is a, a prime example of that. Um, and other, other kind of toys where like, it's not necessarily like, it's not like Barbies where you can, you can dress them and you can pretend that you're playing with them, like role playing with them. But like with Lego, for example, you have the ability to build, you can do all sorts of construction and then you can also do the make believe side of things. Um, and so just more, more open and flexible play. Um, and it's amazing. Like you stick my two year old in front of the, the, the box of Duplo bricks and she will play for the longest time. and do all sorts of stuff and it's like that will hold her attention the same way sticking her in front of the tv will but in the end you know you can you can tell like she's she's developing more hand-eye coordination and more control over what she's doing with her hands like she's building these towers that aren't falling over anymore and that kind of thing so it's like you can actually see you can see some some progress happening and Duplo, Duplo and Lego are definitely like my favorite. Like that's, that's what I played with yeah. during the winter months when I wasn't playing in the sandbox outside. And so I'm trying to like foster that, that joy of, you know, the, the building and the role playing that you can do. And the, the girls seem to love it. So I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that they're enjoying it now. 
Yeah, and I think the uh, the other part of Lego that's not quite so open ended, uh, I think, has been really helpful for my son who has uh, apraxia speech and he has a hard time, um, you know, speaking and things like that. And it's been really hard for us to teach him a lot of things then. And so one of the ways that I really enjoyed Legos is just him learning directions and learning to count and you know because you have to you know you have to make sure you put the thing on the right spot and you know sometimes I have to you know, help him and correct him a little bit. Like, you know, we're, we just, we just put the thing together, you know, the two of us and, you know, it's really good time spent together. And, and he, he, I think is, it's, it's been really fun to watch him get a lot better at counting things and following the directions and all that sort of thing. And so then I, I think one more, one more point I wanted to make on the, the younger kids thing. So, you know, it's, I think one of the things we're that we have tried to do during Lent here, uh, it's April 8th, 2019 right now. Um, we've, we've really started um, to say parts of the rosary together as a family every evening. And so that takes up, you know, we, since we kind of have to plan that into our, you know, bedtime routine, it kind of eats up a little bit more of the time that they would be, you know, that, or that it would be easier for us to just kind of get lazy and let them, you know, whatever, watch a movie or play on their tablets or something. Um, and so I think, you know, that, that's another good example of one way to fill up uh, some time, you know, that also has a really good effect, you know, sort of like Legos or these other open-ended things. But <clears throat> I think when it comes to younger kids, I think that really the main thing is just finding, you know, figuring out what, what your kids should be doing at that time and really staying committed to it. And just putting things aside that aren't as important. You know, I think, especially, you know, as dads, we, we tend to just like always think about work, you know, when we're always thinking about, okay, uh, oh man, I got to answer these emails and I got to do this and I got to do that. And it's like, no, you, you just need to be present in the moment. You don't need to be, you know, worrying about work, you know, be diligent while you're at work. Don't, you know, yeah. don't be on Twitter all day long. <laughs> <laughs> be diligent while you're at work. And then when you're, uh, when you're at home, you can be, uh, you can be present at home and you don't have to be worrying about, you know, all your work. And of course I'm not perfect. I'm horrible about all of this, but uh, you know, it's, it's certainly what I, what I strive to do. So then I'm, I work from home. So it's, it's, it is quite the challenge to, to say like, okay, you know, I'm done working now. I'm going to, you know, close the door to the office and not look at the computer for the rest of the day. And, and I know like growing up um, my dad worked, uh, we had a, a greenhouse. So my dad was working on site and, but he really said like, you know, when he comes home from the evening, he's no longer at the greenhouse. And the only time he would, you know, go to work is if there was a, an issue that needed urgent attention. But otherwise it was like, yeah, even though work is a two minute walk away, he's not going to work. And I, I try to try to do that same kind of thing. Like, you know, I'm done at work. I need to be present. I'm going to try to not look at my phone unless, unless I get like an alert that something's going wrong and I need to fix it right away. So it is, it is hard to, it's hard, especially with the office right at home, but it seems yeah. to make a difference. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's kind of funny too. For me is, you know, my office is uh, six, seven blocks away, but even then, you know, I can use my, the, the Outlook app on, you know, the web app on the computer. I can, you know, to jump into work stuff. I have my phone, you know, that has my work email all over it. And I mean, there's still, I mean, a lot of the, you know, the blackboard and all that stuff I use, um, you know, that I have to get into, I can, I can access all, I can access all that from home. And it's, it's just, it's frustrating sometimes, you know, cause I just need to, I need to make sure I'm balancing those two things. 
a couple of years ago, a friend of mine um, who's got several kids, uh, he said that he was going to, he, both he and his wife were going to give up their phones for Lent. Um, and what they did was they said they'd on, they were only allowed to look at their phone in this one particular spot in their house, which was in their kitchen uh, where they had like their phone chargers and whatnot. So there wasn't a chair there. There wasn't anywhere comfortable to sit. It was kind of like you could, you know, stand there awkwardly and check your texts or whatever. Um, but he said in those, in those 40 days of Lent, he realized how much he was missing when he was sitting on the couch looking at his phone because now he was sitting on the couch and his kid was playing in front of him and he was picking up on so many little, little things that, you know, you kind of take for granted, but you don't really realize are there unless you're not distracted by everything else going on in the world. And so after, after Lent was over, they, they stuck with a similar strict kind of schedule of, you know, we, we only look at our phones when we need to and only in certain places. So it's not like they're always carrying them around because you don't really need to carry your phone around. Like, yeah, you can just leave it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it can tell you when, when you need to look at it. And when you don't need to look at it, you can, you know, leave it in the kitchen or leave it on a, a cupboard somewhere. So, you know, that actually brings me to the next thing, because the, the biggest thing I think of that's different with older kids, and I think both of us are going to have to speculate on this because neither of us have teenagers. <laughs> but I think of when I was, when I was 15, I think we got our first, uh, you know, Nokia, you know, indestructible candy bar phone. And so this would have been something like the year uh, 2000, 2001, something like that. Um, and, and I remember it just, you know, it was so, such a simple device. It was going to communicate, you know, if I was away with my friends, I could, you know, I had it so I could call home or whatever. And that was pretty much all it did. It had the cool snake game and that was about it. But now I talk to people who are, you know, maybe a half a generation older than me, you know, that are in like their forties or something like that, you know, early forties, late thirties, and they have teenage kids. And it's just seems like a nightmare. Cause it's like, they, they can't that, you know, their kids want these phones cause all their friends have them. And, um, I think it was interesting. Uh, Tucker Carlson talked about, uh, he had a, a segment about cell phones and maybe I'll try to dig it up and put it in the show notes, but he had this segment about cell phones and, and parents, you know, parents ability to, you know, hold back and not give their kids phones. And he said that, you know, he thought, that maybe we needed some kind of, you know, legislation or something like that, that would help parents keep the, the phones away from their kids while they're really young, because, you know, there's evidence that shows that, uh, you know, especially, you know, young girls in middle school, the, you know, they just can't get away from the like really toxic uh, um, sort of atmosphere that they're in. And uh, so they, they can't ever get away from it because that, you know, their phone is always there. They're never away from school. And so he talked about how, you know, maybe we need legislation to just ban kids from having it, you know, like cigarette laws or something, um, just ban, you know, younger kids from cell phones. And I, you know, I saw people mocking that, but it's, but, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, this is such an insult to parents. You know, you can't, you know, he's, Tucker Carlson's telling you, you can't even, you know, manage your own kids. And it's like, well, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's actually what he's saying. He's just saying that, this is sort of a collective collective action problem because, you know, your, your kids are, when they're teenagers, they're, you know, sort of adults in a way they're, they're making their own decisions and there's a lot of pressure on them to, 
have, uh, you know, all of this technology and well, if, you know, if it's, if it's legal, then yeah. <laughs> for them to have it, then there's a sort of, um, you know, sort of a moral, uh, component to that that says, well, it must be okay to have it. If that, if it's legal, it must be okay, which obviously isn't, um, a valid syllogism or isn't a, 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 a true syllogism, but, um, I, I just, I kind of wonder, you know, how we are going to handle, you know, I just think maybe in like five, six years when my, my son is getting into the teenage time, you know, how am I going to handle this question? Uh, have you, have you thought much about that? It's, it's a tough one. Like the, the whole idea of saying like it should be illegal. I, I struggle with that. Like, I don't think that would be the best method. Like the, the common example that's always thrown around is marijuana has been illegal up until a couple months ago here in Canada. And, you know, if you were a high schooler and you wanted to get some, you could get some, like it, it wasn't, it wasn't something that was easy to enforce. Now, obviously cell phones is a bit trickier because it's like you and a lot of phone plans, your name is tied to it. And if it's a, a postpaid pl- phone plan, um, you know, they do a credit check and that kind of stuff, depending on what kind of plan you have. So it's, yeah, like they could, they could make it harder for teenagers to get phones and that, that might be beneficial. Um, but the whole other angle that I think could be very beneficial is there seems to be a movement of people pushing away from the idea of the smartphone. Um, we see, uh, there's a phone that I think it was done on Indiegogo called the light phone that marketed itself as, um, like a, a second phone and all it could do was make voice calls. And now they have a, 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 a successor to that. That's, I think it's coming out this summer. That is very basic. It can do text. It can do phone calls. It can do, I think music and navigation and it's got a black and white screen. And so it's not like this media powerhouse in your pocket. It's, you know, it's, it's a communicator for those times where you need to communicate. Um, so I like that idea and there seems to be some, some drive for, for simpler cell phones. Like, um, my wife's friend, uh, she had a smartphone for a couple of years and she recently just switched back to having a flip phone because she didn't see the benefit of the smartphone now that she's a mother and wants to, wants to, you know, spend time with her kids. So she said like, I'm going to, I'm going to switch. And she, she said like, it was hard at first, but she doesn't miss too much. And my wife is considering doing the same. Um, I, I have a hard time with that because as, as a person involved in business on the internet, I kind of need access to that kind of stuff. If I'm not at my computer, like in case my server crashes or something. Um, but yeah. I do have like, I, my phone is currently uh five and a half years old. It's an older iPhone and it does what it needs to do. Great. And you know, I'm, I'm happy with that. And I think if, if we can show our kids, you know, a good example of not being on our phones and not needing the top of the line phones, then maybe at least, at least they, they get brought up, not, not needing it so much, but I know it's going to be, it's going to be difficult either way. And that's, you know, part of the reason why we're hoping to homeschool at least at the beginning is to help drive in some of that value of (laughs) like in-person contact and physical play and getting dirty outside and all that kind of stuff and not sitting on the couch and 
scrolling through Twitter or Facebook or something. Yeah, it definitely gets complicated when you add in, you know, there's all these other facets that are important, like the schooling thing. And, you know, we're, we're right now, my, my oldest, uh, who's the only one who's a uh, school age, he's, uh, he goes to our parish school, but I think once our youngest gets a little bit older, we're going to go back to the homeschool model. But um, <clears throat> it's kind of, you said a few things that I think were sort of interesting. So, you know, it's, it, I, I wish I could get rid of the smartphone <laughs> and I've seen the light phone too, that you were talking about. Um, and, and I'll put a link to it so people can. Check ah, good idea. But you know, one of the things that, that gets me about that is, you know, sometimes I, I'm, I, I travel quite a bit, you know, I have to go to conferences or, you know, we have events where we take students to different places and stuff and, or I'm just driving around, you know, a lot of times I'm the one driving and, you know, if we're going somewhere far away, you know, I need the navigation. So I need, you know, I need Google maps. I, I have a, I have a, um, a Google pixel three. So I guess I'm a little different from you. I have a brand new phone, but, um, the, um, but you know, there's just so many conveniences and, and Uber and stuff like that. I mean, if I'm, if I'm, <laughs> you know, if I'm flying somewhere for a conference, I don't want to book a shuttle from the airport, you know, I mean, come on. It's just so much more convenient to just say, Oh, well, you know, and, and so the, I think the light phone too also has uh, the capability of having Uber and Lyft on it. Um, so it has some kind of an app that integrates that into it, into its, you know, really bland interface and all that. And, and, and I will say, you know, my pixel three, one of the things I like about it is that it has this, it's called wind down mode where it, puts my screen into uh, grayscale and, and all of that. And it also has the, the amber uh, light thing where it takes all the blue light out. Uh, so you're not just blasted with blue light right before you try to sleep. So it, it does, I think you're also, I think you're right that they're, you know, even, even the phone manufacturers themselves are trying to say like, okay, maybe we need to back off a little bit, you know, put the wind down mode on the, on the Google pixel three so that, you know, that way the phone is less attractive to you at nighttime. So you can go to sleep and you're not sitting there playing, you know, games and stuff. But, you know, I, I think, I just think that's the thing with kids is like, I, I think it comes back to the biggest, the bigger thing, which is how to get a high school kid to not just completely rebel from you and, and more just to, for them to, to think responsibly about things. And so there's this tension between, you know, is my, is my kid going to, uh, you know, take my cue on these things and learn not to use, you know, and learn that they don't need these phones and, and all of this stuff, or are they going to take the cue from their friends and, you know, just broader society in general and say, well, I definitely got to have this, you know, this silly device um, and I just can't live without it. So I think that's where the sort of collective action problem comes back in, but it's, um, it's obviously always good to, try to set a really good example and to, to try to manage your, your kids exposure to these different technologies. And so, um, you know, I, I'm going to have to cross that bridge when I come to it personally, just, uh, just who knows what, what things will look like in five or six years. But I, I I'm not so sure that, um, you know, maybe we, maybe we will get to a point where some of these, you know, anti-smartphone options are a little bit more, uh, a little bit more popular. And so then I kind of think about um, another thing on this whole uh, idea of technology is sort of what, what's some, 
what, what kids can get out of this in terms of it being a good thing. Um, and so I remember, I think back to, you know, working on our Windows 95 computer with dial-up internet, uh, playing math games and stuff like that. Um, and it's, it's kind of this idea that, you, you know, you feel the pressure to sort of just, uh, you know, adopt the new technology, just, just, uh, just jump in and, um, and just uh, give in to the idea that, you know, games are going to be there. So you might as well make them as educational or, uh, you know, use them in ways that they can enhance uh, your kid's education if you can. And, um, you know, that's, I think that's one way to go, but it just, it, it feels like it, it would be nice if we just had a way to sort of push back against that. And so I think that's maybe the, the biggest thing that, that um, I think on, on all of this idea of technology and your kids, I think it's just, uh, you know, figuring out where you're going to stand and standing your ground and not, um, not giving in to, you know, just sort of silly, um, uh, you know, platitudes about, oh, having to have your phone on you all the time, like you said, and uh, that sort of thing. And so I think with that, we will um, quit for today. Thanks for listening to the Trad Dads podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps us out.